goddamn music. Who would if you wanna lose you? It's not every day that I'm feeling this bad and true. I need a Welcome to Podcast West Seattle. We are listening to Barrett Staples, who performed at the Skylark's open mic on January 31st. The Skylark hosts an absurdly good open mic each Wednesday night. You can find Barrett Staples on Spotify. That's Barrett with two R's, two T's. On this episode of Podcast West Seattle, we head to the beach to visit the notorious Alki swimmers. We head to the Fauntleroy neighborhood to check out Wildwood Market, take a look at some neighborhood events, including what's going on with C&P Coffee, and we reveal the West Seattle Pizza Tournament matchups for next month's show. This is Podcast West Seattle. West Seattle residents know that Alki Beach in the winter is a much different scene than Alki Beach in the summer. I headed down to see one Alki activity that does not take a break just because it gets cold outside. Alki Beach, Saturday morning. It's the usual Pacific Northwest scene on a cold morning at the beach. People sipping out of travel coffee mugs, taking their dogs for a walk, a few brave parents out with kids. But if you happen upon the Alki bathhouse, Right around 9.30 a.m., you'll see a different scene. All right, let's do this, people. We can do this. Okay, here I come. You got this, Sydney. You got this. Great first time. You heard that correctly. That is the sound of people getting into Puget Sound. Who are these people? What exactly are they doing? And why? It turns out it's a group of open water swimmers, all skill levels welcome, who call themselves the Notorious Alki Swimmers. Let's meet a few of them. Firstly, I got in and had a really good night's sleep, uh, just in preparation for getting up this morning and feeling mentally prepared for the adventure. I don't believe you drove. <laughs> I was going to feel like that was a staged answer. <laughs> why, why would you say that? That's Jerome. He's the guy that keeps people moving. He's very noticeable. Apart from loudly marshalling everyone into the water, he's also, well, the biggest guy on the beach. Your listeners might not know, as I'm seven feet tall and I'm 350 pounds, so I, I do not look like a stereotypical swimmer. And I did most of my growing before the age of 12. So I couldn't run, I couldn't, could barely walk, I was uncoordinated, and the doctors finally said, we can't explain this, but let's put him in the pool. Let's try his swimming. And I took to it almost immediately. Competitive swimming ended up being a big part of Jerome's life all the way through college. And then, pools didn't seem big enough. I started around 2003 swimming open water in the cold Atlantic. <laughs> and I went out and I met some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And they were meeting up on this beach in the North Shore of Boston called Nahant Beach. And we just go out there loose group, no real organization, and we just kind of do a group swim. 
uh, I had a really tough year personally, and then I had, we had a really brutal year for weather. Um, but then I had a tough year where I just decided I'm going to go every Sunday, and every no matter what, I'll I'll post our made a little email group. I said I'm going to be there. Get out here, and uh, and it just grew from there. There's two names in open water swimming that uh, you need to know for the story. And one is uh, Elaine Howley, great open water swimmer. She's a triple crown swimmer for long distances. She's done amazing, amazing work, uh, very well known in the swimming community. She and I met swimming at the Haunt and became fast friends. And when I said I was going to move to Seattle, uh, she was like, no. But then she negotiated a trade because of the other person in Seattle that, and that whose name you need to know is Andrew Malinek. Andrew had started the Alki Swimmers, the, basically very loosely, with a few people just to swim at Alki on weekends. But he himself is an, an incredibly accomplished swimmer. So Elaine said, you're going to go and meet Andrew. And I had no clue. And they're like, you're going to go to this beach. Just ask for Andrew. He'll take care of you. So basically got traded from one group to the other. Um, and the, the Alki Swimmers started. It's a loose group. We don't want to call ourselves a club or you know anything organized because we are a bunch of individuals that come together to swim. And uh, it just grew from six people we started, you know, six regulars, and now we're like averaging 18 to 20. There's no doubt that Jerome's willingness to motivate other swimmers is part of the appeal of the group. You know, I, there's many a person who said, I wasn't going to get in, but then I heard cold is a state of mind. And I was like, oh, there's a mantra. Okay, we can, we can use that. I got that. And at first it was just, come on people, let's go. And then one day I just started shouting. I just said, come on people, let's get this going. We've got a swim to do. We are a social group with a swimming problem. Let's take care of the swimming problem. And it just evolved from there. We're a social group with a swimming problem. Let's take care of the swimming problem. First we've got to take care of the photo problem. Back on the beach, swimmers continue to arrive and chat. Oh, maybe Yeah, well, the cool thing about the swim runs is it's not like a standard triathlon. It depends on the terrain that where the race takes place. That's Kelly. And you're like constantly in and out of the water. And that's Rose. And you do that repeatedly over and over. So you'll swim and then get out and run, and then swim and then get out and run. And then you have a partner that you have to be like, what is it? 10 meters. Yeah, so we have like a bungee that we wear um, swimming and running. And that's been a challenge with the swimming, like swimming tied to a person's heart. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you s swim in your tennis shoes and you run in your wetsuit. So that's like a whole different weird thing. I've personally just always been a fan of adventures. As for swim runs, I bought a wetsuit this past summer and realized that I could swim in anywhere once I had it and totally fell in love with open water swimming and started like I drive down the road and I'm like oh I could get into the water there. I started with ski racing um, did that 
pretty competitively and seriously all through high school. Came out to UW and took a look at the campus, look at the crew program, was like, yeah, sure, I want to come here. Did that for four years, loved it. Um, but then graduated and was like, hey, cool, now I need another sport. So I found a buddy from my gym who did a lot of open water swimming and got in the lake with her, found out I absolutely loved it and started signing up for like all the open water swims. You know, did some like shorter ones and then I did a long one in Alaska, it was a 10K. And then, oh, you know what's even better is like you could do this open water swimming with trail running. That sounds great. <laughs> when I found Kelly, she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> that got me in the lake had been swimming with them for a couple years she's like you gotta come out to Alki and I kind of put it off for a few weeks because the thought of swimming in the sound was like terrifying there's like bigger things in there right um, and she's like no they're really nice you gotta go so I went and everyone was super super sweet and welcoming I was like, oh you should come out to the notorious Alki swimmers I totally didn't think you're going to so I rode the ferry over in the morning um, the first weekend in November and I was looking out to the space that I knew I was going to be swimming at and I was, I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> back on the beach, Rose and Kelly are planning their swim run. Let's jump back in and start swimming. Yeah. So are you guys going to tie yourselves together today? That's what we're debating on. We're trying, we're, so, <laughs> we're like, do we want to do a swim run? Do we want to do a tethered swim? Do we want to just do a swim? There's, there's days that all I want to do is get, come down here, whether there's anybody here or not. Just, I want to come down and I want to get in the water and I want to be in the water. And that's really all you think about for the majority of the day. This is Eric. He showed me some of the open water swimmers' vital gear. Yeah, so it's called a swim buoy. And it's uh, got a couple purposes. The first and foremost is it's a visibility. So that mainly so if a boat's coming by that you're a little more visible in the water. It's also got a dry compartment so you can put like, on my cell phone, my car keys, that kind of thing. And then the lastly, it's uh, in, case, in case of emergency, they can identify the body. <laughs> Unlike a lot of the swimmers here with a competitive background, Eric is just a guy from the neighborhood who's turned into a bit of a cold water junkie. I've lived in West Seattle most of my life. I should point out that I talked to Eric mostly after he got out of the water. Last 20 years walking regularly with the dog and you know coming down and spending time on the beach. To, not in the water until the last couple of years. Finally one day in, in August it was warm out and I thought sure why not and that's all it took one time and I've been doing it for well for a year and a half now. The first time I ever got like this shivering it was the weirdest feeling because I had never in my life been that cold and I realized that it, it was sort of fun in a way because you, you, your body is doing things it's never done before and all of a sudden you realize you know you can do things your body can do things that you never expected Getting down to it, people. Five minutes, all the marbles. Five minutes. 
Back on the beach, Jerome is extolling the virtues of Alki Beach for open water swimming. This is really ideal in terms of it's an inland beach of this length that's calm. You can swim a good distance in a safe manner in terms of you can always get out. Uh, to have this set up right in town, you can't beat it. Um, and just being able to set up and then just walk in, walk into the water, it's right there. It's, you can't beat it, really can't beat it. And I've swam all over the United States and it's, it's very rare to see a beach like this in such good conditions, especially at the, the high tides or, so you have the king tides this time of year. The high tides, you, get, you can get out there in 25, 30 feet of water and see down to the bottom, which is extraordinary, you know, because you can see the sea life, you can see the plant life. Winter swimming is the best. And that's Melissa. Because it's super clear and you can see a lot down in the water um, and you can just go out super far. It's a different color in the winter too. It gets warmer there in the summer but so I grew up swimming recreationally but I didn't start swimming competitively until high school. I was never on a distance team and I was very very average for the distance events too so the whole concept that now I'm doing distance freestyle sometimes is a little funny found uh, open water swimming, doing the swim leg of a triathlon. I just said, well, I know how to swim. I can go do it. <laughs> I just got done with, you know, another event that I did when the instructor that I was training with, he asked me, what are you going to swim the English Channel? And I just said, oh, I don't know. I guess I will. So that's how that came. So when I came out here, I knew I wanted to do it. That's right. Melissa swam the English Channel. And that's just a third of what she's currently working on. Um, so the Triple Crown is three swims, Catalina Channel, English Channel, and then 20 Bridges, which is a swim around Manhattan Island. And Catalina was my, really the first, it was my first long big ocean swim. Um, and that was really, you know, I didn't know if I was gonna make that one. And I, I had other issues. I was throwing up for, you know, 10 out of the 12 hours of the swim. So that causes a lot of issues and I, I called um, MIMS, the Manhattan Island Marathon Swim, and then the, the group who runs it switched over. Um, and it can be done in any order, so it doesn't have to be. Your final way. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Um, it just happens to be that one's mine. So it's 28 and a half miles, roughly. So it's the longest of the three swims, but the quickest time. Back on the beach, the swimmers are finally getting in. All right, folks, let's have a safe swim. Everyone look after each other. Yeah, we're going to put a towel. Take care of the swimming problem. Not waiting for you people. It's refreshing. Guys, it's so warm. Oh my god, it's like a warm purge or something. And I'll admit it, this group applied a little peer pressure and I gave in. I went in just up above my knees. I'm talking with Eric, who's totally unfazed. When I came down here for you without before I swam, you see all the seaweed and stuff yeah. in the water? And I'd always think there's no way that you, anybody would swim in that. Yeah. And now it's like I don't even look at it. It's like, oh well. Oh man, this is achy cold. <laughs> Yikes! 
Woo! Wakey, wakey. Ow! All right. <laughs> Congratulations, this is the first step, no pun intended. Soon the swimmers are making their way out, beginning the important process of drying off and warming up. It was wonderful. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's cool. Take a knee after you get the rest. You all right? It's my Is that warm water that you're dumping on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Not hot, but warm. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's warm. Would you like some? No, no, no. The goal is get the suit off, get dry, and then get yourself into warm clothes as quick as possible. Because he, he has a certain amount of time, depending on how long you've been in the water, before you have what's called an after drop. It's, it's kind of a, a point where the body's re-regulating in the cold. You're shivering. You know, right now everyone's getting out and it's kind of, your, your adrenaline's pumping, you're feeling good, it's, it's all right. And as the adrenaline wears off, you're going to kind of get the, the feeling of the cold and stuff like that. And then it's a trip across the street to Tully's for a warm drink and some energetic socializing. The fun part is when you're holding your coffee and it geysers up the top because you're shaking so hard. So my crazy friends but I don't convinced think they me. were swimming here then. No. I mean as a group. No, I mean as a yeah. It's just been the last few years. Not yeah. the energy. But also we should have really give props to Tully's because it looks like this every Saturday and Sunday potentially. They're pretty tolerant. Any seals? No. I saw a starfish, so it was really a good one. Different motivations, different goals, different outcomes. But everyone who shows up and swims on Saturday morning seems to leave a better, happier version of themselves. I, I like the camaraderie. Um, I, I have come to consider many of the people there my friends, and if not close acquaintances. I, I know I can trust them. I, as we get more familiar with people, I find their personalities, and they motivate me. I see what they're doing, and I'm like, well, let's take the next, you know, what step am I going to take in my swimming? It's your room, calling everybody to picture, that cracks me up. That's funny. Everybody I trying really to get love, their clothes off afterwards. I really, really love just like the scene there. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like magic when you make it out to the lighthouse and your brain's in that like kind of foggy, like really cold state, and it's just like. This group helps a lot of women and females in particular with body image issues out here. Just the whole the stigma of showing up on a beach in your bikini is really nerve-wracking. And so through swimming with this group, I don't even care anymore because, I mean, there's, I mean, it's something that, especially the women in particular, have bonded over too because we're, this group has made us become more confident in ourselves, which I Different people doing their thing and getting to people watch and enjoy them all. I think, I think for me, coming out to Alki is totally that, that social element and that community. I, I really realized it that day when Rose and I were going to go swim, and I felt so much more insecure getting in the water without everyone else there. Like it's just such a, it's a safety net that I realize a lot because I swim so much by myself. It made me, it made me think that I'm able to do more than I ever thought I could. I'm still not a strong swimmer. Watching some of these people who have gotten in 
and maybe just stood there for five minutes their first day, not even swam, that are now, they're swimming to the lighthouse and back, or they want to do a 10K. It makes me think that over time, there's things that are possible that I never would have considered before. The first time I heard that anybody had swum from Bremerton to Alki Point, I thought that was an impossibility. And now I think that's something that potentially I could do. The notorious Alki swimmers meet each Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the Alki Bathhouse. They gather online on the Western Washington Open Swimmers group on Facebook. Thanks to Jerome, Kelly, Rose, Melissa, Eric, and all the notorious Alki swimmers. And special thanks to Rebecca for introducing me and showing me around. You know what I like to eat after a good swim? A fancy sandwich. And one of our favorite new places to get a fancy sandwich just celebrated their one-year anniversary. I went down to the one-year party at Wildwood Market and caught up with Lanhina to talk about what it's like to have been open for a year and to tell us about some of those fancy sandwiches. The one-year party was um, a huge success, I think, in our minds. Um, anywhere between 100 and 150 people. It was one of our highest numbers in sales that night as well. We were treating it just as like one of our wine tastings, not necessarily one of our parties. and. It was interesting. I think people were really here to celebrate with us versus like, just come drink wine. <laughs> that was the first time we've yeah. ever brought vendors in for a tasting. That's uh, our dill pickles. I also got a spicier version of that. Yeah. I'd also been walking past this space for seven years thinking, if that space ever emptied out, I'd want it for something. And my brother-in-law had always said, you need to open one of these in Seattle. And Anyways, street corner, jumped on it. It was fate. I walked by on a Friday morning. Friday night I read in the blog that it was going out of business. Saturday morning, I had all the information I needed. By Monday, I was in here getting ready to get my life savings and sign a lease. We had a bigger kitchen. Um, the kitchen was fantastic, nice size, which led to to more restaurant kind of space. The market side immediately got smaller and more table seating space came in. There you go. Um, steak sandwich, hotline, comes on the hoagie, red wine marinated, flank steak, our grilled onions, horseradish aioli. It just flies out the door. It's warm, comfort food, you know. California Avenue turkey, avocado, on a, again on a nice hoagie, soft bread. Uh, groceries have been more successful than we thought. You know, we're still playing with what's needed. What do people want? Um, and I think we'll play with that for a while still. Um, I think it's even still a work in progress. Up next, we'll take a look at some of the numerous happenings on the peninsula. First up, there's an exciting new play running at Arts West. Here's Michael Wallenfeld to tell us uh, more. The next play we're doing is here, um, H-I-R, the non-binary gender pronoun here, um, which is actually a play on words. The playwright Taylor Mack chose that word very intentionally. Taylor Mack is a MacArthur Genius Award winning playwright. 
um, who is really outside the box and wants to push um, uh, conventional thinking about gender. And that's what here is all about. It's about an Iraq veteran who comes back from the war. He has a dishonorable discharge and comes back to uh, his home and the household is in revolt. His father, who was this powerful patriarch that kind of dominated the family, has had a stroke and now is enfeebled. And the mother is taking over the house. The sibling is newly transitioned from female to male. And so this Iraq vet comes home and just doesn't recognize anything about his household. It's really powerful. It's also very funny. It's also got a good shade of darkness to it as well. Um, this whole season's about identity. And so that's the line that's running through everything here. Here runs from February 28th to March 25th. Check it out. There's a really cool show coming up at Kenyon Hall on Saturday, March 3rd. It's a benefit for veterans called Guitars for Vets. Great idea. You can check out the website, guitars, the number four, vets.org. The show is going to include Cabin Fever, Rue and the Few, Abby Kay, many, many more. You can check out kenyonhall.org to see more shows at Kenyon Hall. And if you've never been inside Kenyon Hall, you should really try to make it out. If you want to know why, check out episode one of Podcast West Seattle, where Lou gives us a tour. Now we have an update from CNP Coffee, located at 5612 California Avenue. If you don't know CNP, it's one of the literary and cultural centers of West Seattle. And if you don't know about their current situation, I'll let one of the owners, Cameron, fill you at in. At the beginning of the year, our building was put up for sale very suddenly, and we've been here for 15 years. We have a very amicable relationship with our landlord. It wasn't anything adversarial, just a surprise to us. We're very fortunate in that we have something called right of first refusal, so we have an opportunity to match whatever offer she accepted. It was over a million dollars for sure. And so we've been trying to partner with the neighborhood, and we have a GoFundMe site, and we're actively trying to buy the building. We are definitely still in the game, completely optimistic that this is a real possibility for us overwhelmingly grateful for the love and support and friendship from our neighbors and friends and family here and far away. It's changed Pete and I's lives and our commitment to this community. Either way, we still have two years left on our lease, so we're not disappearing quickly. And after this experience, I'm more committed than ever to serving my community, whatever form that takes. So we have a GoFundMe site they can access. It's uh, called Go For It CMP. I want to keep hearing what people want from their neighborhood and how CMP can participate in that. They can reach me on the website. I'm here at the coffee shop. Um, so. And finally today, we have a special announcement for the next episode of Podcast West Seattle. Every neighborhood in a city Seattle size is going to take pride in certain aspects of the community. One thing that West Seattleites agree on is that we have a whole lot of really good pizza available on the peninsula. And that got me to thinking. What is the best pizza in West Seattle? So I decided to make up an arbitrary set of rules and have a good old-fashioned single-elimination-style pizza tournament. Beginning on the next episode of Podcast West Seattle, March 23rd, we will take 16 pizza places, match them up head-to-head, narrow the field all the way down to four, and on the April episode, we will crown the 2018 Podcast West Seattle Pizza Tournament champion. Today we unveil the matchups. Now allow me to be clear what the qualifications were for a pizza joint to make it into our tournament. They were, one, it must be in West Seattle or White Center. 
two. My wife and I had to think of it when we were making the list. For pizza purposes, we've divided the peninsula into a north region and a south region. Each matchup will be decided by a single judge who eats as much of one piece of pizza as they want from each restaurant in the matchup, and then they choose a winner. And now, it's time to see if your favorite pizza place is in the bracket, and if they are, who they will be facing off against. Here are the matchups. We begin in the north region with Pagliacci versus Sopranos, followed by Pizzeria 22 versus Spiros. Then we have Mia Posta versus Lucianos, who will take on the winner of Pegasus versus Christos. Next up is the south region. In the south region, we have Zeke's versus Supreme. Newcomer Mod Pizza takes on Tallarico's. Peel and Press will take on Pizzeria Credo. And then Proletariat will take on the Domino's at Morgan Junction. Again, our next episode will be Munch Madness as we narrow the pizza field from 16 all the way down to 4. Be sure to tune in. And that's all for this episode of Podcast West Seattle. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for the West Seattle Pizza Tournament, a check of upcoming events, and as always, much, much more. Here's more Barrett Staples. Yeah.